0: Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, joined today by Evan Damerill of the Locked On Cavs podcast. To get into the newest Nick Dylan Windler, going to get the scouting report on why, if he can get over some chronic injury issues, he might be a huge steal for the Knicks this year. Plus, we talk about those uh, Donovan Mitchell rumors that have been once again swirling around him and the Knicks this offseason. So that's coming up next on Locked On Knicks. You are locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Five. Without a five. Going for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's and he's five. Anthony for three. That one goes to five comes infectious. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in sights and sounds on youtube i appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine make sure you hit that notification bell on youtube or the auto download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode you can be in every day we are here for you guys five days a week i'm alex wolf i'm editor-in-chief of Nick Saito strickland which you can find at the strict.land and as i said joined by locked on Cavs co-host evan damerel no point in holding things up any further let's get right into it all right it's crossover time perhaps after the playoffs one of the the most common Locked on Knicks and probably Locked on Cavs crossovers that we do. The, the storied, fabled Locked on Knicks, Locked on Cavs crossover. And as usual, more things to talk about between these two teams. I'm Alex Wolf. He's Evan Damerel of the Locked on Cavs podcast. Me of the Locked on Knicks podcast. And uh, I don't know, Evan, there's a... <laughs> There's like a somewhat small news item that maybe we should talk about first, uh, because it's sure. it's the one substantial thing that's happened in the last week, like one on paper real thing that's happened, and that's Dylan Windler signing with the Knicks, and uh, sort of seems like he has a little bit of a complicated past uh, with the Cavs over the last four years. Drafted in the 2019 class with the 26th overall pick, uh, didn't play his whole first year. And then has played sparingly in three years since. His his second year, I guess technically his rookie year on the books, uh, was the season they played the most and was arguably the most effective and then dwindled down to only playing three games this past season, which I'm kind of curious to hear if, if that was more about the injuries, which it seemed like he was consistently injured, or about just not being able to see the floor on a better team. Uh, but I don't know. I guess I'll just start. Uh, how would you open talking about, windler's time on the Cavs and what sort of he leaves behind there
1: so there's always going to be a great what if uh because shams tarania rushed to twitter to share that originally the Cavs took kelvin johnson with the 26 overall pick and uh, then he recanted it saying oh no they're going with belmont still and windler the 26 overall pick this is the draft that they took darius garland at five windler 26 and they traded up to get kevin porter jr at 30 so Maybe the late 20s picks and the guy at 30 just didn't work out for Cleveland, but I think that's also just the nature of the beast when you're rebuilding. But for Windler, um, when you look at what he was as a player, and I actually did a feature on him heading into his rookie season after he settled down in Cleveland, just like what he envisions himself being, he grew up a huge fan of LeBron, so he said it was kind of like a full circle moment for him just to kind of play for Arguably one of his favorite teams growing up because he wasn't a huge Pacers fan He was more of a Cavs guy just because LeBron is LeBron and you know, I, I get it as someone who also grew up as a LeBron fan, but he Has an interesting path where he considered playing golf professionally for a little bit. Uh, that was one of his choices when he was deciding colleges like do I want to pursue a career in basketball or do I want to use a college college scholarship to play golf and maybe do that professionally as well if you um, Look it up i believe Bally sports ohio still has the video up but he does trick shot videos where he just does really unorthodox swinging mo- motions and things like that and just can drive it super clean like like a professional level player and uh, i'm envious because his swing looks similar to mine when he does that but still hits it perfectly but more than that you look at windler and i asked him like what, what player do you remind yourself of the most he's like well i'll be honest i was a senior um at belmont i no I'm not going to be like a superstar but like I want to be like a Joe Ingles type player And if you look at the stats from his time at Belmont it made sense he's like I, I can pass the ball a little bit I can always get better at that I can shoot the basketball I'm a bigger forward. If you can play the three or the four I can um, rebound and like that was the biggest thing with Windler is like he averaged 13-ish rebounds a game his senior season at Belmont and like that's the thing that stuck out he's like yeah I can just get second chance opportunities or just use my size as like a bigger forward whether it's at the two the three or the four and I said yeah man that that sounds awesome and then he had a lot of intrigue and as you'd mentioned, he didn't play at all his rookie season. Um the biggest like claim to fame, quote unquote, of his was during Salt Lake City Summer League when John Baline was the head coach of the Cavs. Windler ripped a court a shot from almost half court and he sank it against the Spurs to heading it out uh the first and heading into halftime rather. And a lot of people like, Okay, maybe this kid can shoot it. The Cavs have a vision here, like they got a wing that can shoot. Maybe he can be an Ingalls like player. But he I believe at that time had a stress fracture in his leg I want to say and a lot of people were wondering did John Bailey run him into the ground too hard he was trying to run two days during summer league and things like that or I don't know those it's reckless to speculate I think it's fair to question it just when you look at his trajectory as a player but this is unfortunately where the path and story of Dylan Winler kind of starts and continues with the Cavs like you said his pseudo rookie season technically year two on his contracts. Um, around on his contract, he played really well. This was not for a great Cavs team. This is still this Cavs team is feeling itself out. Um, I can't remember if Kevin Porter was traded to the Rockets quite yet, but um it was just a weird time in Cleveland and Windler was a guy where you're like, Okay, the Cavs have a clearly needed small forward. They clearly have some spacing issues. Um Dylan Windler is a guy that makes sense, especially when you just like look at Joe ingles at his peak and like what he was doing with Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz at the time. Like yeah, there could be something there, but it was like a small, long road to recovery, and then whenever he would play, he would suffer some type of minor setback, and then he would battle his way back to the court, then play for a little bit, then suffer another minor setback. And It was just kind of that awkward back and forth, his rookie season, and he felt bad. You could tell like it was frustrating, it was hard for him, and then his technical sophomore season, third season in the NBA... Hardly played at all, mostly spent most of his time in the G League with the Charge, just because he suffered another, I believe this time it was a knee injury that just set him back further and further. And when, again, it was just like his rookie, his technical rookie season. Like he would ramp back up pro- ramp up production and then suffer another setback and then ramp up production and suffer a setback. And then this is when the Cavs had Evan Mobley at this point, and this is when they're starting to become a bit of a better team. So the Cavs couldn't afford to find minutes in the rotation for Winler or just kind of work on a rehabilitation process project when evan mobley just completely expedited the timeline a little bit and just never gave like players like windler or even isaac okoro to an extent to at least okoro is available the opportunity to play and so he spent a lot of the time in the g league i think it was just like i picked jv bigger brain a lot about this he's just like listen dylan is a good player i think he needs to just kind of find his footing back on the floor he needs to trust his body again kind of get over those mental hurdles and everything he played well for the charge he was playing under dan gero at the time and It was a similar case to this last season with the Cavs as well. And the real kicker of it all is, one, J.P. Bickerstaff said he was in the mix for the starting small forward spot the year Donovan Mitchell comes to Cleveland. And two, during his lone, I believe, media availability as a member of the Cavs, it was media day. He said, this is the healthiest I've ever felt in my entire career. A few weeks later, he suffers another injury setback. and It's just that song and dance of ramping him back up and then another setback and then it was just like you didn't hear about anything from him for a while and then he went down with the charge you could see clearly there were signs of rust and just like the lack of consistent playing time over several years is just it stunk and if there's something there and we could talk about this again more in a second because like the idea of dylan windler makes a lot of sense as a player but it's just injuries just kept getting in his way and i i think about it a lot like Uh, physically clearly he's showing like the desire and the drive to keep getting back on the court but like mentally how many more hurdles and roadblocks can you uh, just surpass like I don't know if my listeners or your listeners even you know personally like if you suffer like an injury in sports like 90% of the recovery is physical well like that 10% it's a big 10% is that mental edge to like trust your body and then if you keep dealing with setback after setback or like you just keep getting hurt in random ways like it gets frustrating you have to realize is this worth it after a while but that that was the tricky part of it all. Is just like he then was an unrestricted free agent this off season. The Cavs didn't extend a qualifying offer to him because it's it's just an unfortunate reality of the situation. He couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't carve out a spot in this rotation, as you had mentioned. This Cavs team is much much better now with one Evan Mobley, but now that Donovan Mitchell's here, and it really just changes expectations. Like they don't have the time or the ability to give Dylan Windler that opportunity to rehab and just keep growing as a player. Um, they could have maybe signed him to a two-way deal, but all their two-way contracts were locked up. And I think the Knicks being able to circumnavigate that is really clever, but it's, it's a shame. And People always, like, joked, like, the idea of Dylan Windler is, like, the most potent player for this Cavs team. He could be everything they need. And at this point, yeah, I, I hope he does flesh out as a player because it's clear he wants to play professionally just, despite the four-plus years of setbacks at this point. And he's just a guy you're kind of rooting for in his way out of Cleveland. Like, there's no bad feelings or hard feelings whatsoever. It's just the Cavs had to move on at some point because they're just kind of burning a roster spot for a guy who could just never stay healthy
0: yeah it's uh i mean the knicks have certainly had some guys like that of their own in recent years you know kevin knox cam reddish um you know various guys that that just kind of you know they came in they maybe showed some stuff and then it was just like yeah but ultimately it's kind of just time to move on right now because things just aren't aren't working the way that you want them to work uh with this guy and you know in those two guys case with the knicks it was more About, like, what skills they were bringing or how well or not well they meshed with Tibbs or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. But sometimes, you know, you just reach that point where even if there is uh, some potential there, you kind of just have to cut bait uh, as a team. Uh, I want to talk more about his actual skill set in the next segment uh, and, you know, kind of get a feel for in the limited minutes that he did get in the NBA, you know, what, what he was able to show maybe things that don't show out necessarily in those stats, because it is tough to tell, especially with like rookie year stats, you know, that there's going to be ups and downs and sometimes it's hard to just look at a stat sheet and say, Oh, all right. Well, you know, th- this guy stunk, but, you know, but obviously maybe he showed something more than that uh, at that next level. But I do want to real quick remind everybody that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. And, You could take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And uh, I've been telling people to not bet on the Mets or maybe bet against the Mets. Uh, my favorite baseball team. I mean, how Confidence level 1 to 10 real quick. If they were to bet on the Guardians, what do you think?
1: Uh Scale one to 10 I give it a solid five because they're a perfectly average team. All so, right. You know, you could, the most milk toast answer I can give for the most just completely average baseball team in terms of just on-field production. I, I, mean, would... I laugh because I, I, I pity you as a Mets fan. I have several <laughs> Mets fans in my life and I know this year
0: has been rough for them. <laughs> I would kill for milk toast and mediocre right now, let me just say. But uh, what's not milk toast and mediocre is, of course, FanDuel. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, and we're back in continuing talking about Dylan Windler, And, you know, I got to say, I came out of that first segment Feeling, um, I guess a little better than I thought I would about about Windler. It sort of seemed to me like, you know, my initial read on him and I think Gavin's as well, like we both sort of like almost like wrote him off in segments this week of like, eh, you know, whatever. Maybe he works out. The college stats are good. If he can get back there, yeah. then cool. Uh, but we're kind of looking at his, his NBA production and, and sort of similar to what you said, I guess, like the injuries stand out a lot or it's just like, This guy can't find the floor, Uh, but I guess if I was gonna zero in on one particular season, and I know you said he played in Canton for a bit, which is cool. Although I, I just I have such a hard time trusting G League stats anymore. Like Deuce McBride on the Knicks, for example, went down there and played like seven, eight games and averaged like thirty-two points per game and like shot like forty-six percent from three and all this other stuff. Like I mean, the dude is insane. So you know, it's it's definitely a weird song and dance with trying to mm-hmm. trying to use G League production to predict NBA production. But his his rookie year on the books, the first year that he was able to play, I think was the one where I seem to remember during that was the the post covid or not post covid, but during covid season, uh, the first right. you know season where they were playing with the empty arenas and everything. Um, I know that that sort of inflated some people's numbers. And in the case of Windler, he shot like 34 percent from three, I think, that year, which mm-hmm. To me, I'm like, for a shooter, I don't know if that necessarily inspires a ton of confidence because everybody else was getting a bump and shooting like 40%. But he was a rookie, and I seem to remember I, – I don't remember a stat line or anything. Maybe I should have looked it up ahead of time. But I seem to remember him cooking the Knicks that year uh, in, in one of those games. But maybe I'm just misremembering things. Uh, but I don't know. What was sort of your takeaway on his game? I know you said he wanted to end up a Joe Ingles type of guy. Did you ever see flashes where he did look like that? Because – yeah, the the Knicks sort of find themselves in this weird position this year, where, I mean, they just signed Nathan Knight as well, who could who's on an, the other two way deal. Uh, two out of the three are filled by guys that I think could reasonably find some time with the Knicks this year. And Windler and Knight, um, they definitely need a backup power forward. But as it stands right now, it looks like they're probably going to play kind of small, which would potentially cater to a guy like a Windler like that if he. Does indeed have that in his game. I mean, did you see that sort of pie in the sky uh, vision of his game show through at all during those couple of years?
1: So, the one he played one game against the Knicks in that like pre slash post COVID uh, empty arena era and he had I'm looking at the stats now cuz I was curious myself cuz I'm like yeah he had a few moments where you're like okay he he could be something um mm. and also again he like you said he was a rookie so it's not like things are going to translate instantaneously but like shooting wise against the Knicks he was 3 or 5 from the floor 2 or 4 from three point range he had Eight points, uh, three turnovers, one steal, one block, one is ass- three rebounds, and three assists in that game. So like a little bit of just everything. That sounds about right. By, like twenty nine <laughs> in that game, but yeah. either way, like that cast team wasn't very good. But for Windler in this at this juncture, like you said, like it, it's hard to get like a full full scope of what a guy can be. Um, in the g-league like i think like in your case like deuce mcbride he's kind of like in that weird um similar spot like sam merrill and the Cavs, where he's probably too good for the g-league but he's just not good enough to crack an nba rotation on the night-to-night basis like he's just like a break glass in case of emergency type player or you're either getting blown out or blowing an opponent out and he can get some burn on the floor that way but just like based on what windler was as a player um this season i'm trying to pull up the stats because i thought it was I thought it was this year. Okay, well, I may have been wrong on this one, but there was a game um not too long ago where Windler just like had like it where it just seemed like everything clicked for him all of a sudden. You're like, okay, besides, despite all the frustrations and all like the trials and tribulations and just everything that he went through as a player, like you could tell, like, okay, this is probably just like the best moment you'll ever get from Dylan Windler just because he is a guy that again struggled to get get onto the floor on a night to night basis Um, and he's uh, um, now as I'm looking at Dylan Wendler just like searching my Twitter history it's just Dylan Wendler is out for tonight's (laughs) game against so and so so uh, there's just like moments where you can see the vision and yeah the Joe Ingles flashes were there, especially as he maybe just got more comfortable playing against NBA level talent and just kind of figuring out what his size was. But like even if the G League stats don't stick out, like the rebounding stuff stood stood out right away, whether that was his quote unquote rookie season, um, when it was technically the second year of his contract, like he was making an impact crashing the glass and then instead of maybe like looking for Uh, like hunting for shots or things like that, he was looking to make the right pass. And there's just small things like that where like, okay, he can be a bit of a glue guy and a guy who can make a bit of an impact on the floor against um, teams on like a nightly basis. And I remember the game now, it was two games ago, or two years ago, rather there, the Cavs were playing the Atlanta Hawks and dealing with got a spot start because of how banged up the Cavs were in about 22 minutes. He had, uh, he was Five of five from three-point range, five of six from the floor. So he had 17 points, eight rebounds, three assists, two steals, and two blocks. Like, it's a lot of everything there. And you're like, oh, yeah, wow, well, maybe Dylan Windler could finally turn the corner and finally put this all together. He suffered an injury setback in practice the next day. So, like, that's the issue. And if you can f- squeeze from ch- some blood from the stone or some juice from, like, whatever's left of this fruit, and Dylan Windler is 26, I believe. So... It's kind of make or break time for him unless he maybe sticks in the G League or goes overseas. But um, right now, like if you're the Knicks and you're like considering your options, like using your two way contracts to maybe add a guy who could have a little bit of juice or something at least it's like a training camp invite or something like that and like if it doesn't work out you can easily cut him sign a different guy to a two-way deal and you look elsewhere or maybe he spends more time with the westchester knicks and he just keeps getting on court reps maybe gets becomes more familiar with new york system especially what they run offensively and maybe he can become that guy who's too good for the g league but maybe not good enough for uh nightly rotation minutes and it's just because of the injury concerns i think at this point and just like that it just stunted his development and growth so much as a player especially considering he was a senior coming out of college but like you look at that you're thinking okay maybe there is a path for him to become not the joe ingles type player but a guy who can provide you solid two-way play he can make the right read and the right pass he can provide you some spacing and just rebounding and he doesn't play 15 20 30 minutes a night but he's a guy who gives you like 10 15 minutes like i joked with a buddy um i said it would kill Cavs fans so much to watch like dylan windler and Josh Hart just continue to eat up offensive boards that so the Cavs ran into the Knicks in the playoffs again. Like it's moments like that because he just has like that uncanny knack to grab offensive boards. And like he can be an impact player like that because New York's such a good rebounding team. But you're like I said, you're just rooting for him at this point. You're hoping he can become a bit more of like a role player or at least just find a path to consistently stick with an nba team and maybe new york's his chance or maybe it's some other team that he finds a a shot with or maybe he goes overseas finally just gets enough experience and just kind of comes back or retires i don't know it's like dylan windler is always going to be a bit of an enigma for Cavs fans um i think they already gave out his jersey number to somebody else so it's pretty clear they moved on pretty quickly but um it's it was number nine the last guy to wear it before him was Dwayne wade so there was like the d dw jokes right there too with the Cavs. but either way like d- windler again he's a guy you just want to root for um and he does show like flashes like that angles like upside but like it's just really hard for him to have like consistent nightly levels of play like that We're like, okay he can put together like a five to ten game stretch of this and you're thinking okay maybe he can turn the corner but he'll have like a great moment and then just life gets in the way for him every single time and it it's it's tragic in that sense
0: yeah uh, well it, hopefully he's able to just stay healthy just through practice and, and whatnot and then yeah. able to be ready because i do think i i hope that there's not a ton of opportunities for him this year to be completely honest oh, yeah. unless he unless he really shows out because if he gets an opportunity with the big knicks it's most likely means that like one of RJ Barrett or Josh Hart or, or someone of that nature has gotten hurt, um, which would open up a potential for him to have to like slot in for a few minutes if he's really showing out in practice. But that said, I mean, it it would make me pretty happy to, for the Knicks to find a, a steal, uh, you know, with a two way contract of all things, which, you know, now at this point, the two way deals are just so unprohibitive at this point that it's almost like getting free extra roster spots to try people out. Um, you know, I think that'll be pretty fantastic. so i'm I'm rooting for him as well. I hope that he works out very well for the Knicks. Uh, but uh, one, one other guy that maybe I this is this is way too for something. Maybe that will work out well for the Knicks in the future. Uh, I guess we'll see would potentially be Donovan Mitchell, and there's been some weird uh, talk going on this whole off season, and I thought that it would be an interesting note to close on. to talk a little bit about Donovan Mitchell and where both the Knicks and Cavs find themselves right now. So we'll take our final little break here and then come back in and talk about uh, some Donovan Mitchell talk in a sec. All right, we're back in continuing our little chit chat here, Knicks and Cavs style. And uh, Evan, I got to throw it to you, dude. Uh, What's going on with Donovan Mitchell right now? I feel like there's been some very weird talk. Uh, I think it was, tim mcmahon i think with espn that was on a podcast the other day that was like if i were the Cavs, i would just trade him to the knicks now because that's where he's going and that's like all he cares to do and then there's been other chitter chatter like that going on and even as early as like i was starting to hear that stuff like last season even like by like the playoffs like like oh well mitchell might just go to the knicks I got to wonder where the Knicks heads are at, and maybe we'll talk about that in a second, you know, in regards to, like, I think if Mitchell wanted to go to the Knicks, he should have made that a little bit more of a point last year (laughs) rather than, like, kind of being wishy-washy about it and being like, well, I'll just do whatever, like, lightly implying, like, I would like to go to the Knicks, but also I'll just I'll play wherever, you know what I mean? If he felt that that strongly about it, I I almost wish he would have said so because... The Knicks are now setting themselves up to not really be a cap space team going forward, which makes, you know, the whole situation a little more hairy. But um we'll talk about that in a second. I mean, what how are things feeling in Cleveland right now? I feel like it's a I, I know Knicks fans have been going insane this offseason with you know reclaiming a little bit of success. How are things in Cleveland right now as far as the fan base and media and everything else?
1: So I think the fan base is still licking their wounds. Um After the playoff loss to New York, I think you can be frank. Like the the Cavs got embarrassed by New York. Like they didn't show up. Besides game two, like game three and game four, it was clear the Garden just rattled them quite a bit. And then game five, they just completely laid down and just kind of surrendered to New York. Donovan Mitchell clearly wasn't himself. You could say it's the groin. You could say it's other stuff. But like this Cavs team just wasn't itself in the postseason. And I think it's fair to question what you have with this team, whether it's from coaching or from a player standpoint. But like. The fact that Cleveland went out and just got some more shooting talent, whether it's Beck Struess or George Niang or even Ty Jerome as well, and like the the Cavs have had a pretty solid offseason. I do think the cloud hangover all is what's going to happen with Donovan Mitchell. I think a lot of fans just have PTSD from what's happened with LeBron twice now, whether it's him going to Miami the first time around and just like the weird pomp and circumstance of that, or him just exiting the stage right after a pretty rough final season in Cleveland where like the Cavs just kind of were cratered and they had to rip it down to the root at that point. But I always tell people we shouldn't probably put the cart in front of the horse. Uh, in terms of the McMahon stuff, like I feel like this is just like peak off season. Like, Hey, there's not a lot to talk about. So let's just kind of, Roll the dice, and we'll talk about the Knicks and how Donovan Mitchell is clearly a fan of New York basketball. Um, he probably empathizes with you quite a bit in terms of just how badly the uh, the Mets are torturing him this season, but. More than that, like, I just think it's like just endless speculation. Kobe Alvin was on the record saying like they are going to do everything they can to convince Donovan to stay here long term, whether it's a more of a shorter term extension, he can re-enter free agency, maybe before he passes his quote unquote peak, just because he's a smaller guard, or there's just some way they have to go about this. Like Sean Devaney from Heavy wrote at length not too long ago, I want to say about ten g- days ago at this point, uh, as of when we're recording this. Um, that the Cavs are shifting their focus a little bit to make make donovan mitchell feel like this is his team like he apparently kind of told the front office that max truce is a guy he admires george niang is a guy he was really close with in utah that they brought in because that was one of his former teammates and one of his guys and like it's weird like i just think it's weird because cleveland fans got really sensitive to him wearing a mets jersey but they don't realize the fact that his dad's worked for the mets donovan's entire life so got I got to take it where you can. Like I thought it was corny that he wore like a half-Guardians, half-Mets jersey for either All-Star or some type of promo photo shoot. I'm just like, guys, it, athletes are allowed to have interests. They are human beings, too. They don't have to live, breathe, and eat Cleveland every chance they get. But we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I've always been of the mentality, and I tell our listeners and my co-host, Chris Manning, says the same thing, that if he makes it clear and he's in – the final year of his contract, quote unquote, that he's not going to pick up that player option, or if he does pick up that player option, he just doesn't plan on re-signing with Cleveland. If you're the Cavs, yeah, then you explore the conversation of trading him. And I think that's just like maybe a conversation you have, and you remain in constant communication with one another. But it's a it's it takes two to tango. Like I think that Donovan Mitchell has definitely shown the Cavs that like, hey, I was worth everything you paid for. Like I'm sure people maybe have some sticker shock still, just with what marketing is becoming, and like. You you have to take that with a grain of salt though, because the Jazz were not a good team like Colin Sexton, Ochai and et cetera, and so on. Like I think Markkinen is in a better situation now that he's the number one option. Maybe found some comfort after being damaged by Jim Boiling quite a bit. But right now, like the the Cavs are clearly trying to build a winner. That's what I mean. It takes two to tangle. Like the Cavs also have to prove to Donovan Mitchell. Like hey, what we're building here is working. It's sustainable. We have two young stars like that are part of the foreseeable future in Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. Jared Allen is the fourth banana and unfortunately maybe the fall guy if they have to make a dramatic shakeup, but like the Cavs have a lot of young pieces. They clearly zeroed in on shooting because that was an issue they've had all year long, um, not even before the postseason. Just like add more viable players. They signed Karis LeVert to a pretty good deal as well. Like the, the Cavs made a lot of moves just to kind of show to Donovan Mitchell that they're committed to building a winning team around him because I you could feel his frustration when the season ended, when he was walking away from the podium and he said, I'm sorry guys, I'll see you next year. Then he stopped and sat back down and said, I am sick and tired of, after the end of every first round or after the end of every second round that I'll say, I'll see you guys next year and hopefully we do better. He's like, I wanna win. I wanna win championships. I wanna be great. And it's not like Joel Embiid being tongue in cheek about winning a championship with Philly or somewhere else. Like Mitchell seems fairly committed to this team and this organization. It's just, again, let's just see how this plays out. And this conversation could change dramatically between now and this time next year, of course. And like we could be having a completely different talk. But as you had mentioned, like I I just don't know if the Knicks would really be like in the running for it because like you said they're going to be a cap team soon and you have a really good thing going like you have a lot of young stars on your team and maybe you wait to cash in your assets on like a bigger fish at this point but like you keep Donovan Mitchell more as, like, a console, not a consolation prize, but, like, he's, like, your second or third option if, like, you strike out on, like, a Joel Embiid or shoot, even if, like, Giannis just becomes so frustrated and he wants to go to New York for some reason. Like, the Knicks maybe want to keep the powder dry for, like, bigger, bigger names than that, and then, like, Mitchell's, like, your third or fourth choice.
0: Yeah, I think it's becoming an interesting song and dance with the Knicks at this point, because for the last, like, few years, and some fans would be like, come on, like, make a move already what are you doing you know like what are you hoarding all this all these players for and blah 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 and all these picks and you know eventually they're going to lapse and I agree with that to a degree however I I do think that they find themselves in a much better place this year than had they decided to pull the trigger and make that move last year and like I can remember even immediately after the Mitchell trade went down I said you know what Considering what it costs to get him, that was a much better move for Cleveland than it was for the Knicks. And then obviously the Knicks, you know, overperformed expectations this year. Like I would say by a wide margin. I mean, nobody, nobody, myself included, was like, this team is going to like win a first round series this year and make it to the second round and potentially push. I mean, really, they pushed the eventual Eastern Conference champions fairly hard like almost yeah. as hard as they got pushed in the entire postseason um you know which is crazy so like I, you know i think that i think that they they sort of find themselves now in a better position to make the sort of move for a donovan mitchell type player than they were last year and yet if he became available tomorrow like you just said it's it sort of almost feels like there might be bigger fish to fry coming up, which is crazy to say, you know, because, like, I don't want to... It feels very, like, old Knicks to always be looking at, like, oh, well, if so-and-so becomes available, then he might be a Nick, And if so-and-so... Oh, if LeBron, you know, just wait on LeBron in 2010 or wait on Durant in 2019 or, you know, whatever. Like, you know, it that seems to always be the case. And yet, this time, it feels a little more real because, as you noted, like, the Knicks finally have this nice bedrock setup yeah. of you know Brunson like i'm seeing a lot of people like especially even like in our youtube comments and stuff like and on twitter whatever like people already are trying to like forget just how good he was this year but like he proved that he could legitimately be the number one scoring option on a title team this past year i think at least to me i mean he went out there and like night to night it was like we need you to get 32 points you know, whatever, like tonight, right now. And if you don't do that, we're not going to win this game. And he just was like, all right, I could do that. You know, against literally any defender, any team, against the Heat, against the Cavs, you know, whoever you throw at him. He pretty much just finds his way to get his points. It, you yeah, run into the... It is interesting. Like, yeah.
1: Where does, in your opinion, like I agree, like Jalen was a such a great signing by the Knicks uh last off season um mm. and just like they made it, it i mean it was written in the stars whether it's the hiring mm. of his dad or just like the fact that he pretty clearly wants to be there and like the, the nova Knicks are going to be fun and mm. i'm going to ask you this like cuz i'm i'm high on them too uh number one option on a title team is definitely interesting, but with, like how the Eastern conference is shaking up. Like where does he rank amongst just like Eastern point guards? Cause like Darius Garland's up there, but like yeah. Jalen Brunson did pick him apart and bully him quite a bit in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. To be clear, I think of him as a number one scoring, option oh, scoring option. on a, on a title team potentially. And that's because, you know, I think that like, if it, I feel like he would be the, the number one scorer but you would need to have someone else on the team that you could point to and say no but like on both ends in the cumulative of it all this guy is better than jalen brunson but you know like jalen brunson is the guy like let's just say like the, the and i understand that like Giannis, for example is is mm-hmm. always the the alpha and omega or whatever in the milwaukee conversation but like a guy that you could point to like a chris middleton you know like which i think Brunson is better than like Middleton. It's so hard to compare them because they play completely different positions. But, you know, like on the overall, I would say that I think that Brunson is better than a Middleton, but Middleton is so often that guy that like if Giannis can't get a bucket because they're like walling off the inside and saying, make someone else beat us, Middleton's always that guy that they can just kind of like hand the ball to and be like, go make a bucket because we need it. And I think that Brunson is that level of guy that could be on a title team and just be the guy that you hand the ball to and say, we need points right now. Go do he's, it. He's got that uh,
1: dog in him. Like, he does. If you ask him to go do something, he will put his entire mind, heart, body, and soul on the line mm-hmm. to try and help a team win. Like i uh I, I i this may drive some of my listeners nuts but like i that that knicks team was super endearing in just how they play and brunson is definitely like the heart and soul of that team like mm-hmm. the heart deserves a lot of credit too for just how much he just like bullied the the Cavs off the bench but like when brunson just like puts it all on the line like that and also the fact that like he's the team's best player like that 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 just kind of speaks ethos about how fun young and scrappy this team could be for new york
0: yeah, and then and then to answer your question about where he ranks as far as a point guard in the the East, I mean
1: just, one or two in my opinion, just because there's been such yeah. an exodus of guards out of the East already. Mm-hmm.
0: Just in the East, I mean, it's like who who are you even like like you? I guess the the class of the East would have to be him, uh, Drew Holiday, Garland, uh, Trey Young. However, you feel about him. It's, it's, t- like, it's tough to like, throw, like, Lamelo up there. Yeah. yeah. That's the weird thing. Yeah, because, like, he can't, you know, he's had his own durability issues and stuff like that. So, I think I'm, the,
1: the conversation does flip if the Heat are able to land Dame. And mm-hmm. I think Dame certainly leapfrogs a lot of these guys just because he's, like, such a nuclear-level threat. And I think in Miami, like, he'll just be even better at this mm-hmm. point in his career. But, like a lot of people question like hey the the knicks are committing all this money to a dude who had like a step who just shredded donovan mitchell with the maps and the playoffs and he's playing next to luca and all these other like talented players like he's not that good like no he 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 proved his worth and he definitely backed up like why the knicks kind of made him their most sought after free agent last year and i i think he is up there in like the top three conversation for now like because again like i agree like how do you feel about trey but Bronson is just like he he has that bat. he He can back it up. And so that's that's what makes New York scary because like their best player is also just like, one of the best players at his position overall in the uh, conference, and that's going to be making it really fun just going forward.
0: Yeah, and lest I forget, I realize I left one name off the list, the the max contract man himself, Tyrese Halliburton, as well. Wow. So I guess that he counts as well. Although I would, uh, I would say Brunson's better than him, too, and probably should have made the All-Star team over him this year. So, um, Hallie, I'm high on, but... <laughs> I want to see what this Pacers team
1: does now that there's expectations, and he's definitely their contract guy now. So
0: yeah, exactly. So anyway, it'll it'll make for an interesting year. Uh, we were talking before the show, but like the Knicks and Cavs are sort of just uh, it, it, much like I think the the Knicks and Hawks were sort of intrinsically linked uh, a couple years ago after that playoff series. With all the ties, I think you and I are going to be talking quite a bit more oh, yeah. throughout these next couple of years uh, because it's just a very intriguing little intersection of two teams right now as far as where they are, what their expectations are. One particularly large player that looms over the whole thing and Donovan Mitchell and all that stuff. So, uh, But for now, I think we could probably wrap up. Evan, thanks so much for popping on and talking with me giving me the scoop on the newest Nick. Uh, so we, I definitely feel a little better about Windler. Uh, going forward um, but yeah, I, I think this will be an interesting season for both teams and hopefully a prosperous one again because I, I think uh, I think it's it, this has potential to be a fun little rivalry for the next few years. I, I think so
1: too uh, it won't be like Hicks versus Knicks in the 90s but <laughs> it, it has the potential to have some intrigue and drama both on and off the court and yeah I, I, I it would be fun to see these teams open up the season against each other because I think there could be some animosity between the two, just because like the Cavs were probably going to try and come out with a the chip on their shoulder and the Knicks may just bully them again. So we'll, we'll see how it goes though.
0: That we shall. But until next time, thank you everybody for listening from both sides of this crossover podcast. And uh, of course, check out our feed locked on Knicks on YouTube, your favorite podcast provider or uh, the locked on Cavs feed for more Cavs content. But until next time, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you soon, together or separately. Peace out, everybody.